I think we all need to start a petition to get six fullback slots for next year onwards, or even just from round seven, because two quite clearly is just not enough. Hey guys, welcome back to a Man Talks NRL Supercoach. Today we're going through the roundup number six and another crazy round of rugby league. We had two point field goals, one point field goals, HIIs, injuries, crazy finishes to games, you know, just we had everything. So let's get straight into it. But before you do, would really appreciate a thumbs up on the video and please subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. I did mention previously if I get to 500 by State of Origin, that'd be great, but you guys absolutely smashed that already. We're past 500. So let's see if we can get to 1,000 by State of Origin. Would really appreciate it, but enough of the plugs. Let's get into the rugby. So the first game of the round saw the Brisbane Broncos taking on the Penrith Panthers, with the Panthers taking this one out 20 points to 12. Um, and to be honest, probably like a lot of other people, I was expecting quite a big blowout in this game and for the Panthers to take this one pretty comfortably. But to credit to the Broncos, they really came out uh, with good of en good energy, high intensity. You know, their forwards really laid a good platform from their backs. Um, obviously, anyone who kind of watched the footage would see uh, Kevy Walters really firing up into the side uh, pre-game. Uh, and that really seemed to rub off onto the Broncos team. And, and they came out really well. But at the end, the Panthers just had too much class and were able to sneak the win. So quite a bit of supercoach relevance in here. I'll quickly touch on the Broncos. You know, I was really impressed with their front wear forwards. So Payne Haas and Matt Lodge, I think, were really, really strong for them uh, whenever they were on the field, to be honest. You know, they were really able to make some good meters in the middle. Payne Haas only getting the 64. Well, I say they're only, only getting the 64. Really solid effort, um, but basically all in base. Uh, and Matt Lodge had a good game as well, um, scoring 62. Definitely someone who you should be interested in getting potentially in your front row forward. You know, he was very popular preseason, but then he had that injury in his first game. But coming into the origin period, you know, he's not likely to play origin, so he could be a handy pickup, and he's quite cheap at the moment, so he could be a decent cash cow as well. Payne Haas, he's still scoring below his break-even, so I will expect him to go down quite a bit in value, but I think, you know, if you're someone who's owned like Takeaho, who we'll get onto later in the video, you know, he's got an injury as well, and we're not quite sure yet on the expected time frame, so if it is something that's extended, um, I've seen like one to three weeks, if it was, say, a three-week one, you know, Payne Haas could potentially be the one to go for in the front row forward position. Apart from that, not really too much relevance. I think Osako has actually been doing pretty decent. You know, he scored 63, uh, but again, his break even I think was around 88, so he's probably going to go down in value. Um, probably, but in terms of how the Broncos played overall, they were very strong. Um, probably bad signs I think for guys like Tessie New, who I didn't really I didn't trade out yet last week. But you know, given how well the Broncos played, you'd be hard pressed to see them change the side too much. Um, and Jordan Rickey, obviously, only getting the 19. You know, he was coming off the bench. And we weren't quite sure what his minutes were going to be. So only getting the 19 points. Anyone who, you know, sold, that's obviously... We've been able to kind of get away from that really big cash drop that he's going to face now. Um, and if he continues to come off the bench, if you still own him, he's definitely going to be looking to be a sell. With the Panthers, you know, I'll call it Nathan Jung time slash clutch Cleary. You know, he came in at the end, you know, scored that try uh, to cap off the win for the Panthers. But he also hit that two-point field goal, you know. So just showing his class. And he also had that... 40-20 um, attempt, which, you know, swung it back in the pa uh, Panthers' favour. He was probably either the f first or second most uh, captain player this round, I'm not quite sure, but given that everyone thought the uh, Broncos were going to take an absolute hiding, uh, and, you know, Nathan Cleary being central to that, I think he would have been pretty heavily captained, and he scored 125, so he's definitely rewarded those captainers. I didn't actually put the vice-captain on him, I had put, uh, I had brought in Jerome Luai to my team this week and I thought it was a bit of an outside play so I put the VC on him obviously I'm very happy with an 89 from him he's already scored more than anything I got from Dylan Brown so I was if you follow if you guys follow me on Twitter you'll see I was umming and ahhing about that all week but in the end he's probably uh, a good trade-in uh, and with the Panthers draw coming up I'm 
very, very happy to own him. But putting the vice captain on him, I couldn't quite loop an 89 points. So I had to let it ride on Fafida, which we'll get onto later whether that worked or not. But yeah, 89 from Jerome Luai, can't really um, complain with that. Uh, and Kurt Capel getting at 82, you know, he scored the opening try of the game and probably punished a lot of people. I think he would have sold him. I think a lot of people might have sold him to try get to Fafida, but... You know, I'm glad I'm glad that I've held him and he's got an 82. So he has definitely shown now. I think that's what three tries in the opening rounds. So he definitely has shown an ability to score tries, but his base isn't quite there. But I think in this game in particular, he had pretty good base. I think he made like 40 plus tackles. The game was really dominated by the forward. So that does explain that. Matt Burton has done actually really well since he's moved into centers. He looks like he's just a, such a good footballer in general. I think I feel like could put him anywhere in the field and he'll do well for you so definitely someone i might might be interested in picking up around the origin period but i think now that he's gone up quite a bit in value from his starting price so it could be a bit hard to bring him in especially in the 5-8 and the halfback position which are really stacked and brian toto you know again not having to score a try he had so many run meters i think he had like 250 plus meters he was getting challenged quite a bit under the high ball but you know, fortunately for us, that doesn't count in Supercoach uh, that much unless he does drop them. But the 64 points, uh, and mainly in just his running out of his own end, just absolutely amazing. So, you know, you can just lock him in for 60 points basically every week. The not so good is uh, Charlie Stan sitting way down there on 15 points. You know, he just, again, he just doesn't have the work rate of someone like Brian Toto. In this particular game, the Broncos were mainly kicking to Toto's side. So that does kind of explain it a little bit, but we've seen this already in other games that especially in these easier games, he just doesn't seem to be able to, um, you know, get the points. And, you know, there was a few occasions where Momorowski on his um, on his inside just wasn't passing in the ball. You know, he was in open space, but Momorowski's actually got glue hands. It's crazy. Um, and as a Staines owner, it was really frustrating to watch, but uh, what can you do about that? He is, Momorowski, that is, is probably going to be charged um, with dangerous conduct, I think, on Tom Dearden. So I think he's looking at either two weeks or maybe three weeks. So that's something to keep an eye on. So... We'll see. I would expect maybe Tyrone May to come into the centers there. But apart from that, uh, not too much else to touch on. I think with the Panthers, uh, pretty pretty good game. Uh, not one that I was expecting. And not, I think not many uh, people were kind of expecting a good outing from the Broncos. Pretty impressed by that. But the Panthers just were able to clinch us in the end. So the first game on the Friday was the Knights taking on the Sharks. With the Knights taking this one out, 26-22. to Really was an exciting game. You know, the Sharks, again, almost had it in the bag, just like they had against the Roosters, but the Knights were just able to close him down in the end. And the real talking point here was Kalen Ponga. You know, again, very good performance from, uh, performance from the Knights overall, uh, but it was really sparked by Ponga. You know, he scored a double, he set up two tries himself, and really just showed everyone, I guess, in the Supercoach world what he can do. You know, I think it was all about Teddy, Pappenhausen, and maybe Latrell. But this round, we've really seen the return of, you know, Tommy Turbo and Kalen Ponga, just to completely throw um, everything out of whack in terms of who we're going to uh, select at fullback. But, you know, 144, um, amazing effort from him. Uh, and Mitch Barnett really profited as well with that 107, uh, you know, playing outside of, uh, outside of him. He was able to score that try and also set up one of Ponga's, uh, for, I think his first try as well, actually, with a little offload. So something that had uh, briefly touched on was that you know with Ponga coming back we might potentially see Barnett profit on that left side attack and that definitely showed here. Frizzell also had a really big game scoring 100 and was able to lay on that crucial offload for Ponga's last try uh, to win the game. Kurtman scored a try as well got a uh, so he ended up with a good score of 84 but I don't really think too many people will be owning him. Uh, Connor Watson and Jane Brelly again just kind of ticking along I think when Connor Watson plays in that lock position he did start this week which actually was the first time uh, he's been named uh, from the bench um, or he's come on sorry from the bench he's been named to start but um, he's always been coming off from the bench except for this round he was starting in the number 13 from kickoff 
64 points is kind of what we're getting from him, which is really, really solid. You know, you can easily reserve him. The question will be, I think, Jake Simkin, who has met, played his first game and looked really good, actually, against the Rabbitohs. Uh, you know, Connor Watson will probably be the prime candidate to trade out to Simkin, which will be unfortunate for in terms of, like, Connor Watson's been good to us. He's got some good points, but he's made a lot of cash, too. So I think you could potentially look at maybe Connor Watson or Josh Schuster as the ones to flip into Jake Simpkin. But if Jake Simpkin keeps performing how he is and seems to have locked down this number nine position for the Tigers, you know, one of those two I think will have to make way. Uh, and Jane Bradley, again, just kind of ticking along as he always does. Uh, and Bradman Best, who made his uh, comeback from his uh, elbow injury, again, wasn't just really his game. You know, he scored 38, which is not too bad, given I don't think he really had any kind of major attacking stats. So 38 from him is pretty decent. The Knights draw coming up is pretty tough, though, so I don't think he'll be someone I'm looking to get into my team in the next kind of month or so. But I think after that period of time, their draw does seem to open up as we get into that round 13 period. And the Knights do play in that uh, first week of uh, buys. So Bradman Best is definitely someone I'll be looking to get in that time. But you can kind of throw away that, I think, that tough opponent to an extent with Bam Best because he's so explosive. I think he can do well in really any game. Uh, with the Sharks, unfortunately, again, as I mentioned, you know, just falling so short of the line in terms of winning the game. But, you know, again, they just came up against uh, a night side who was on, playing at home and were able to just, you know, pit them at the end. Will Kennedy is, again, he's been ticking along very nicely, scoring another, um, you know, 67. So he's been doing pretty good. Uh, again, as I say every week, I think it's very hard to fit him in, and especially with now like Tommy Turbo and Ponga coming back, who knows when Kennedy's ever going to get in the run into our teams. Connor Tracy obviously scored a double, and I think he had like four line breaks. Uh, these scores are pre-updates, sorry, just um, letting you know, so they may change after I record this. Uh, so yeah, pretty decent game from him. Uh, one person I do actually want to speak about is Teague Wilton. So uh, Ronaldo Molitalo, he's actually got like a four to six week injury, and it was confirmed just prior to kickoff. So they did a bit of a reshuffling of the Sharks' backline with Connor Tracy moving to the wing and Teague, Wil- uh, Teague Wilton moving to centres. Uh, from centre, I thought it would be, you know, his base would probably go down a little bit given that there's a little bit less traffic running at centres as opposed to, say, in the back row. But he looked really, really... Uh, ha- he looks like he's got a really good work rate. You know, he I think he had made, like, 15 runs in the first half alone. Um, and he scored 55, basically, all in base. Uh, I think 42 of that actually was at base. And that's playing at centre. So that's really impressive. So I think... He's offering still good value for anyone who did pick him up before his initial price rise. We'll just kind of have to wait and see, I guess, on the return of Wade Graham uh, and what that will do. But given that they have actually got this injury to Ronaldo now, uh, you know, if Wade Graham does come back, I still see potentially Teague Wilton staying at centres. I guess we also have to keep a watch on uh, Talakai and what his position will be moving forward, given that this was just his first game coming back from injury as well. So, you know, if Teague Wilton potentially has locked down and maybe a longer-term role at the Sharks, he looked uh, great value and potentially still could be a decent pickup then. Uh, and Matt Moylan, only with the 21, again, wasn't really the game for him. You know, probably tried his best, but, you know, I don't really see how many too many, too many more people would be holding Matt Moylan at this point. Um, you know, I think you'd be looking to really upgrade him to one of your gun five eights or potentially, um, you know, if you've got Connor Watson, say, at hooker, um, he'd be a prime candidate to kind of trade to Jake Simkin by switching Connor Watson down to your five eight. And so what was tipped to be the blockbuster of the round, the Melbourne Storm taking on the Sydney Roosters, ended up quite not going down that way. You know, the Storm took this game out 20 points to four, but it really was an odd game. You know, both sides weren't really that great in the first half, only four points scored in total. Roosters had a lot of handling areas and the Storm just didn't quite click in, in the terms of att- attack. So it really was an odd game, but you know, in the end, the Storm were able to pile on the points in the second half. Um, and Harry Grant, who was a, kind of the spark of the whole uh, whole thing for the Storm, just looks absolutely amazing, absolute gun that he is. You know, he scored 96 points, came off the bench, uh, but you know, just 
it doesn't even seem like it matters if he comes off the bench if he starts you just know that you're guaranteed points from him um you know he was absolutely electric throughout the ruck um, and was able to get a try of his own and also set up a couple of others too so the 96 points you know really just showed what a quality super coach player he is um and the sooner that we can get him into our teams the better don't quite know yet what kind of plan i have to get him into my team because Connor Watson and Jaden Braley, who are my current hookers at the moment, you know, they're really not putting a foot wrong. You know, they're being pretty solid. Uh, potentially, you could argue to get Harry Grant around past origin period, given that uh, even though Melbourne Storm do play in the round 13 uh, bye week, uh, you expect him to be playing origin, so he wouldn't be available. Uh, but yeah, definitely need to work on a plan to get him into our teams because he looks far and away the best hooker to get. Pappenhausen, again, kind of continued his role. Obviously, there was some concern in the first five minutes, uh, you know, when he got that HIA, but he was able to come back on the field um, and, you know, get a score a try. And again, just look really busy um, and always looking around uh, in support. So again, the 87, very solid from him. I will mention that these scores are pre-updates, so they might may potentially change um, come lockout. Christian Welch, again, pretty solid with a 60. And Brandon Smith with an 84, uh, very good effort from him. Christian Welch is still uh, kind of ticking along, so I'm pretty happy just to keep him in my front row forward, given that there's not much upside, you know, someone like Payne Haas, who's got 64 versus Welch's 60, you know, and given the wealth, uh, sorry, given the difference in price, uh, you know, I'm not too ha- uh, upset with that point scoring from him. Cam Munster had a bit of a quiet Supercoach game. It's hard to keep someone like Cam Munster quiet, but only the 50 points. To be honest, he hasn't really set the world alight in Supercoach. He's, I haven't actually just looked back at his scores last week, just out of interest, and... um. Sorry, I looked at his scores from last year, out of interest, not last week. He only had one game last year where he scored over 100, but he was really solid. You know, he was always getting around that 70 to 90, um, and nothing really outside of that, to be honest, uh, which is obviously very good to get that kind of consistency from him. But he's kind of started off this year very similar as well. It seems like I think Pappenhausen is clearly just kind of you know, over necessarily, but he's got the highlights for sure. Uh, and, you know, Munster's kind of just been a bit more less involved than I would have expected, um, especially with someone like Cam Smith leaving the side. I thought Munster was going to be the number one. But either way, the Storm have got another big three with Pappenhausen, Harry Grant, and Cam Munster. It's unbelievable. You know, we all thought it was all going to be over after Smith, uh, Slater, and Kronk, but, you know, they just keep doing it. So, but yeah, pretty interesting observation, I think, that he's only really had that one big score, say, in the last, well, from last year, and he hasn't had one yet. But, Again, this is coming from not that many attacking stats, so he very easily could pick them up soon, um, so I wouldn't be betting against him. But it is kind of odd to see that. Uh, I, I could have brought him in this week, but I went with Luai instead, and at least for this week, I'm happy with that decision. Um, and Luai obviously will continue, hopefully, to carry on with their good draw coming up. For the rest of the Storm, uh, you know, Justin Ollen getting a 27 is a little bit disappointing. Um, I don't really think there'd be too much investment otherwise in their team. With the Roosters, obviously a lot of Supercoach relevant players here. You know, Angus Crichton, you know, only the 50 points. I just don't think it was the game uh, for the Roosters, basically. Teddy, he is the big question mark. You know, are there some concerns? I will admit, I am a little bit concerned, you know, uh, with the Roosters losing uh, Brett Morris um, just before the game as well. Uh, you know, they're, they're picking up a lot of injuries and there are suspensions as well. Victor Radley's copped a suspension from this game. I'm pretty sure he's going to have like two to three weeks on the sideline. They just can't really seem to get a consistent side together. So I think anyone who did make that, you know, really gutsy move of trading out Teddy a few weeks ago to like your Pappenhausen or Latrell, they've profited really well. This is the reason why I'm probably not going to win Supercoach. I might do okay, but I don't have the, the balls, basically, to make those really gutsy calls and chase the points. Um, you know, I'm more of that kind of conservative, you know, if I've got Teddy, I'll keep him in my team. But there's definitely arguments, I think, potentially, if you do want to be looking to move him on, because he 
obviously in, in, in any given game he can do well but you could argue the same thing I guess now with these other fullbacks and with Ponga and Trevojevic returning this week and looking amazing that really does throw the cat amongst the pigeons in terms of our fullback selections in Seo Takiaho you know, he only scored the 24. He obviously got that rib injury. So I do own him in my team. So I'll be looking to see the kind of timeline. I think from what I've seen, it's about one to three weeks. So it's not too bad. So if it's just the one week, I probably wouldn't trade him in for my team. But, you know, if it's a three-week stint, then I probably would be looking to upgrade him. Uh, I've got players who I can uh, switch into my front row. So I could even trade in a second row forward um, for Takiaho. But that's something we'll have to see coming out of the round. Uh, and Sam Walker, I think, obviously was kept very quiet this game, you know very hard to score a lot of points in that uh, tough matchup against the Storm so the 18 points obviously is kind of like not unexpected basically but I don't think that's any concern over him moving forward obviously he's still set to make a bunch of cash uh, this week so yeah I think he's still a good hold but I didn't play him this week given that I thought you know that matchup was quite tough um, and it kind of showed here as well well, so the first game of Super Saturday didn't quite go out like I think many people would have hoped for or expected, depending on who you captained this week. So, Sea Eagles absolutely demolished the Titans, 36 points to nil. Um, and the story of this game was Tommy Turbo. You know, he scored 122 and he just looked absolutely electric. You know, he scored that try, set up a couple of his own, very similar to Ponga. You know, obviously Ponga came back last week, but very early on, coming back from their injuries, they've shown us um, how quality they are and what kind of super coach impact they can have. I'll be expecting a lot of should I do Teddy to Turbo? Should I do Teddy to Ponga? Questions next week. Um, in all honesty, I think I'll have to kind of assess again the draw coming up for these guys. Um, and But the thing with Tommy Turbo that does work in his favor is his price. I think it's 590k. So he's absolutely bargain basement at the, mo- uh, at the moment. Ponga is a little bit more expensive at about 700. But again, it's really tempting when you see some Teddy get 37 and you see Tommy Turbo get 122 that you want to make that move. But I think this, the Rooster draw coming up is pretty decent. Uh, I can't quite remember what it is for the Sea Eagles. So we'll have to kind of, uh, I'll have to have a look at that. But in terms of that, whether I would make that trade or not, it does feel a bit knee-jerky to kind of, you know, think that at the moment. I'll have to think about that during the week. Josh Uster with an 88-point effort, you know, he's looking really, really good. Look, he's obviously got that, you know, he is a 5'8", but he's just playing in the on the edge at the moment just to kind of fill in for the injuries. But he's showing that he's got that t- kind of touch. You know, he's able to do that no-look pass to Ruben Garrick and, and get the try assist. Uh, combine that with, you know, getting some decent base playing on an edge, you know, he's looking like a really solid option uh, and definitely a very good play in our 17s. You know, my thinking was potentially trading him to Jake Simkin in a couple of weeks by flipping Connor Watson. But if Schuster keeps playing like this, it'd be really hard to, you know, justify trading him. Uh, and potentially might be, have to be Connor Watson who has to make way for Simkin because I think Simkin will be a very good cash grab as well. Uh, and Schuster probably hasn't quite peaked in price, but Connor Watson may have. So that might be the reason why I might be trading Watson as opposed to Schuster. Uh, but yeah, because Schuster's looking really good. Uh, for the rest of the CEOs boys, I don't think they'd be super popular in terms of their ownership. Obviously, Jason Saab, a bit of a talking point, you know, he scored a double. But he still only scored 44 points, uh, so really shows that he does. He just needs the tries um, to get his points. He doesn't have any base, but you know we saw with Tommy Turbo coming back, really did help the Manly Seagulls attack in general. Um, and so Saab could profit if he keeps you know getting tries and you know hovers around the 35 to 40. He'll make a little bit of coin. So I think if you have held him to this point, uh, continue to do so. I sold him early on. Um, in hindsight, actually, I maybe would have held him knowing when Tommy Turbo was coming back because. You know, I've kept like Fusatua and he's been injured and he's not really done too much better anyway. Simonson hasn't done, done that well this round either. Obviously, he had a bit of an injury. So, yeah, 
maybe in hindsight I would have maybe held Saab and traded one of those other guys, but I'll live with a decision. I would probably be looking to trade him back in anytime soon, but if you got him, definitely would hold him. Now, on the Titans, again, it was just super disappointing for them. They just barely seemed like they could hang on to the ball. Just, their game was just riddled with errors, um, and they didn't seem to ever be able to apply any pressure when they had the ball in attack. Favita, obviously, was probably going to be one of the most highly captained players this round. I I very strongly advocated for like a vice captain, a Penrith player, captain for feeder, and I did that myself. Uh, it just didn't quite pan out the way that I think a lot of people were expecting. Still, you know, I mean, gone are the days I think of when a 65 point score in Supercoach is deemed okay. As a captain now, it's all about getting the 90, the 100 plus points. The highest scorer of the game for the Titans, he still looked okay in terms of his tackle breaking ability. He did get that line break too, but again, overall, a 65 when his team scores zero points. I think we kind of have to reassess, you know, the decision as to, oh, we shouldn't have, in hindsight, I should have looped, you know, vice-captain looped Cleary. I should have, you know, kept the captain on him. Look, I'm like, yes, I'm obviously not thrilled with the 65-point effort, but look, I'll live with the decision because, you know, with this, the way that the Sea Eagles have been performing recently, everyone really thought that Fafida could have got in for like a 90, 100-plus score himself. Um, and given that's how he's been performing over the past few weeks, I think you can't really be too upset with the 65 as well you can be upset with the 65 but don't be upset with your decision making as to why you'd be captaining him so I'd, i'm definitely not kind of you know down on myself it's not like oh i should have captained cleary instead Corey thompson did okay with a 48 but none of the titans backs really did anything given that they scored what zero uh yeah bad games for brian kelly jamal fogarty uh you know tyrone peachy only scored the 42 not that great um and tino only the 40 points as well uh, that's two games down in a row where he hasn't done that well so i, I am starting to maybe reassess uh, you know how I look at, look at him, but you know I do know that he's got, obviously got that big game in him. We score, we saw him score that 93. So I don't know if I'll knee jerk him out of the team. I, depending on some injuries that might occur, like say with Takiyaho and the extent of that, probably going to be bigger priority trades out for my team. But Tino, yeah, it hasn't been that good for the past couple of weeks. And to be honest, the Titans just overall just looked really disappointing. They looked more like that wooden spoon contender team than they have in the past. Uh, you know, in the first early rounds of this season. Where do I start with this one? Bloody hell. Yes. Rabbitohs, Tigers. Uh, Rabbitohs won this one 18 to 14. Uh, if you guys don't follow me on Twitter already, you can see my reactions towards the end of this game. Jeez, it was crazy. Uh, this game had so much, you know. Uh, Cam Murray finally got some attacking stats, you know, so 87 points from him. Really, really good effort. But this game just had a lot of spite, you know. Both teams are going so, like, just so hard at it. Uh, so many players on report, you know, I just can't even, I can't even keep up at the moment. Uh, the game was just ridiculous, uh, and the, the ending was crazy. Uh, but in terms of the actual super coach points for the Rabbitohs, you know, apart from like Cam Murray and Damien Cook, it was pretty quiet, you know. Uh, Damien Cook got a 73, he had a couple of good runs uh, through the middle. Dan Gagai scored a try, but still only got a 57. Cody Walker had that line break, only got 53. You know, those are the two main guys. And Campbell Graham, who I think a few people might be eyeing up in their centers, only scored the 40. Um, so not the great greatest of efforts from them. Uh, and Alex Johnson, you know, he almost scored that try, but he just had uh, his hand on the touchline. Uh, so he only ended up scoring 17. But I don't really think this game should be really spoken about too much in terms of Supercoach. It was just an uh, enjoyable watch, you know, as a neutral fan. Those are the games that you love. You know, Reynolds kicking that crazy, you know, two-point field goal, but then he misses the penalty, and then he butchered his other field goal uh, attempt, uh, and then, oh, the, you know, the ending, you know, in goal in extra time, you know, Tom Bird just going through the middle, uh, plants a ball down, what seemingly looks like the winning try, and then ref, 
he's calling a try and then he's going play on play on uh, and then look Luke Brooks is running down the field uh, scores a try and then he and then Jared Sutton awards a try for the Tigers and I was like what the hell is going on both teams think they've won it uh, and then obviously video ref called that Tom Burgess had scored the winning try but yeah just an enjoyable watch uh, on the Tigers side not for Luma 69 points uh, pretty pretty solid from him I'm definitely looking to bring him to my team sometime soon I think the the draw for the Tigers looking pretty good uh, from next week onwards uh, and I think he'll be a bit of a pod at that point you know I think a lot of people would have probably been jumping on like a Brian Kelly this week um, and so potentially they might not or like even a Brian Toto sorry so potentially a lot of people might not quite have the budget or the um, space maybe to get into their center wings um, I think I've got I've got a lot of cash in the bank for next round so I'm definitely eyeing up him potentially even just doing a straight upgrade from like a Fusa tour up to Nofaluma because um, he's looking uh, like he's obviously got some solid scores in the past couple of weeks and he's actually moved to the left side which is pretty interesting for, uh, for this week Jake Simpkin obviously I think a lot of a few people did, would have jumped on him pretty early just to kind of create some cash to do some big upgrades to like Dave Fafita this week uh, he rewarded his owners very well with the 62 points you know he looked really really good on his debut he made like 55 tackles so he just it was an absolute workhorse through the middle and Dane Laurie just kind of keeps ticking along, you know, score that try, gain the 62, just kind of reinforcing, I think, that he's a very, very solid hold and a very solid play in our center wings. Adam Dewey with the 57 points, you know, he did lay on that try for Luke Garner and looked quite good. He, you know, obviously there's a bit of a down week from his past three, but still very, very good scores. He is fairly expensive at about 560k, but, you know, if you're looking for a pod 5-8, I think he's the one to probably go for. And Stefano Ojikmanu, you know, 43 points. You know, he had a really, really good opening stint, but he didn't. He seemed to have quite a bit of time uh, off the game in the middle, and he only came on towards the end, which was kind of strange in terms of the rotation. But again, the 43 points. You know, I, norm- I normally wouldn't reserve him, but given the kind of um, the makeup of my team, you know, I reserved him over Sam Walker, and that paid off for me. Uh, so yeah, pretty obviously very, very exciting game. Uh, Probably Luciano Lelua, I think actually someone I potentially might be eyeing up uh, with that good draw for the Tigers coming up. Uh, and they do play in round 13 as well. He'd definitely be a bit of a pod second row forward. That's potentially if, you know, Takeaho's out for a few weeks, I might uh, flip to uh, Luciano Lelua if I want. Uh, but yeah, have to kind of make up that decision and look at the stats and the numbers and stuff. But yeah, overall, just a really exciting game. Uh, and the final game of Super Saturday was the Raiders taking on the Eels, and the Eels winning this one very comfortably, actually, at 35 points to 10. I was, you know, I was expecting a lot closer of a game, but uh, and it was that way actually in the first half. You know, uh, the first half ended I think 10 points to 12 uh, with the Eels in favour, but then the Eels just really kicked on uh, in the second half, and it was very surprising to actually see that from the Raiders side. In terms of the good performance from the Raiders, Rapana, he had a really mixed night. You know, he was able to score a try, um, but he had some drop balls, and but he made some good runs, and a couple of times he got bundled out the touchline. So, yeah, very, very up and down game from him, but 77 points, pretty decent. And Josh Hodson, I thought was probably maybe the Raiders, sorry, so I thought the Raiders best. Um, he had some good runs from dummy half, and he laid on a try as well. Scoring the 76 points was a very good effort from him. I just don't see that many teams really owning him at this point, though. I think there's a lot of other more consistent higher upside hooker options around. Um, you know, Jan Braley and Connor Watson have been ticking along pretty well. They're not really high, necessarily high upside, too. But I think Reed Marnie is definitely showing that he's got high upside. And Harry Grant, obviously, we saw this round, his capabilities, too. Uh, and to be honest, I'm not really interested in that many of the other Raiders players. You know, Josh Popoli did okay with the 61. Um, these scores are pre-updates as well, so they may change. Uh, and Jack Wyden had an overall pretty quiet game. You know, Bailey Simonson, who I think a lot of people would own, 
you know, he went off for a HIA and unfortunately had a really, really low score. Um, and I think that caused a bit of a backline reshuffle. And I think uh, Jack White eventually had to play some time at centre as well. So that potentially did, you know, dampen his scoring. But overall, yeah, that second half, you know, they didn't score any points and they never looked threatening at all. Speaking of the Eels, though, you know, they did really, really well in the second half. And I was actually really, really impressed with this performance from them, especially coming up. Uh, coming off that uh, loss to the Dragons. I thought that potentially might shake the morale. Uh, and But coming up against a pretty good team in the Raiders, um, an interesting stat, they hadn't actually beat the Raiders in Canberra since like 2006. Uh, so again, we were able to kind of, kind of get a monkey off their back uh, and get a win down there. Isaiah Papali is just looking the goods. You know, he scored four tries now in the last three games. He's got a double uh, in that game against the Raiders. 119 Supercoach points. Uh, and you know, yes, I know he's getting up there in price. I think he's like, he was 530k is probably going to go up you know obviously to like 560 plus maybe um come lockout but you know the way that he's playing i just don't see how he can get dropped back to the bench you know i'm really eyeing up potentially going for popley if takaho is actually injured popley e might be the guy i'm going for i think he's still relatively a pod only owned by about six percent of the game but his ownership has been climbing with every other round so i wouldn't be surprised to see him get to like you know 10 percent ownership by the end of next week you know he scored I think now that's a 90, 100 something and another 100 games. So he's done really well the last three rounds. So his price should be skyrocketing. But, you know, obviously with Ryan Madison, that concussion problems, you know, kind of lingering over him. We just don't quite know when he's going to get back on the field. So for the time being, while that happens, you know, Papali is a safe starter. But when Madison comes back, how can you drop Papali? You know, he's been doing so well. You know, just maybe they'll get Sean Lane out of there and put Papali on that side because he's looking um, unbelievable. And the Eels draw coming up is quite good. You know, they've got the Broncos and the Bulldogs in the next two games. Potentially, that does spell more attacking points for Papali'i, as well as the other um, Eels players. Reed Marnie, you know, I kind of I tweeted that him and uh, Harry Grant are looking like the two number nines, I think, to go for. He's just looking like he's on another level this year. Uh, you know, he scored a try at the very end, which kind of did boost his score up, obviously, but he looked really good uh, aside from that. You know, he got a line break through the middle of the field. Uh, and you, obviously he makes a lot of tackles. So he's already got a pretty decent base, but he's looking like he's just more than that. He is, I think he's just been more of a kind of just base, but no real upside. This is, sorry, he's really seeming to have a lot of attacking upside and getting a lot of, uh, getting a lot more like try assists and line breaks uh, and potentially some tries as well. So he's looking like potentially, in my opinion, uh, him and Harry Grant as the two number nines to go for. As to when I'll get him, it's a bit more difficult. Like, you know, Brayley and Connor Watson are my two current uh, dummy halves. Uh, and Supercoach and Jake Simkin I'm probably going to want to bring in as well and Connor Watson's probably going to be the one who's going to have to make make way because I think Schuster's probably got a little bit more money out of him as opposed to say Connor Watson so Connor Watson to Simkin will only be one probably move that will take place in my hooker role and then it would be a case of going from Braley to Marnie it does seem a bit sideways but uh, you know Braley's because Braley's been ticking along pretty well he's still averaging I think above the 70s so he's doing you know he's not doing anything wrong Marnie's just looking a lot better so you know, and they're both playing the round 13, that is Brayley and Marnie. So that debate is quite interesting as to which one you want to go for. I mean, I like the look of Marnie as opposed to, say, Brayley. So it is, does seem like a bit of a luxury trade. I guess if there's a week where I don't really have any other pressing concerns in my team and I've potentially maybe been able to save some trades, I might do that move. Apart from that, you know, Clint Gutherson, you know, you've got a 97. Again, this is kind of why I'm asking for more than like the two fullback spots. I want Pappenhausen, I want Latrell, I want Gutherson, I want Tommy Turbo, I want Ponga, I want Tedesco, I want, I want all of them. 
So, yeah, I just need the six fullback slots. You know, he did score that pretty junk time try at the end, but again, he's always looking involved. Got a couple of try assists this game. Now, and Mitch Moses, I thought, had a really good game. You know, was, his kicking game was pretty good. How He was able to control the, the game pretty well. Um, and they, the Eels scored a great team try to Sean Lane, and he was a big part of that too. So overall, I was really impressed with the Eels and how they performed this game. Unfortunately, uh, you know, some kind of down performers were like Junior Paulo. Again, that's two... I think bad games on the bounce, only the 40 points. I don't. I think he had a really big start to the season, but he seems like he's tailed off a little bit. I bought. I had Junior Paulo at times during last season, and I was at times really unimpressed. Sometimes his minutes were fluctuating, um, and he's not really offloading and getting those attacking stats. Sometimes he just doesn't quite have, you know, the consistency enough scoring to make me want to have him in my team. Uh, so yeah, obviously that's in hindsight after some two poor scores in the first couple of weeks, I really would have wanted his big scores. But yeah, only the 40 points is a bit of a disappointment. Same with like Blake Ferguson, you know, 48, but not without any real attacking stats, that's pretty decent from your center wing, so I think you'd happily take. So the first game of the Sunday was the Dragons taking on the Warriors, with the Warriors taking this one out, 20 points to 14. It was a bit of a strange Sunday for me. I didn't have any players actually playing today, and I noticed on the forums and on Twitter that a lot of people were feeling the same. So yeah, I wasn't really playing as much attention to these games that I would if I got Supercoach players, but still a lot to talk about. Uh, with the Warriors, you know, there was a few uh, key performances for them. Cody Nakarima, Tohu Harris, and Roger Tulvasashek all scoring over 90. Uh, I saw Tohu Harris, I was checking the scores, and I saw he score that early try, and I was like, oh god, now he's just going to get 65 points in base and just be on his way for a monster score. Uh, he did have a HIA issue, but he did pass it, so he was able to resume play, um, and again, coming with a massive 95-point effort, definitely someone I'm going to be eyeing up uh, moving forward, and potentially with this injury to Takeaho, and something I'll touch on later regarding some potential suspensions that might be affecting my team, might make Tohu Harris... Uh, a very near trade into the side but yeah again Tuvasashek he's been flying under the radar you know scored 95 tonight uh, and he's got an average of about 78 without this game so he's really you know he's really doing well I think he had a first his first game of the season was pretty down I think he scored about 38 um, and I think amidst the um, you know the Tedesco the Pappenhaus and the Troll big scores I feel like Tuvasashek is not really getting the shine that he probably deserves so and I think again that's probably with Tom Tvojevic and Caelan Ponga returning now as well and putting up monster scores this week uh, you know, he really is flying under the radar, but, you know, if you want to go for a bit of a sneaky pod uh, at fullback, Tuvasashek uh, could be a great option. The Warriors' draw coming up is pretty decent as well. Uh, opposite to that of, say, the Knights, whose draw, I think, for the next month or so is pretty tough. You might want to go for the Tuvasashek route if you're not looking to... Sorry, if you're not comfortable with Teddy at the moment, the way that the scores are going, uh, you know, he could be a potential trade-in, but um, there is a bit of a risk, I guess, um, sometimes the scores can be a bit up and down. He did score the try, obviously, today, which boosted that score up. Josh Curran, very, very interesting. So he was named to start this game, uh, first game of his uh, for the season, and he scored 69 points and basically all in base. You know, I think he had a couple of tackle breaks, but apart from that, it was really just run meters and uh, tackles. So really, really massive game from him, you know, following the mold of Tohu Harris, you know. So very, very uh, interesting. Someone to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, he's priced at 203K, so he's very, very cheap. So yeah, definitely depending on how the kind of rotation is and what his minutes are looking like moving forward and whether he keeps that starting role, he could be a great cash cow option uh, down the line. You know, if you're looking to trade out maybe one of your center wings and you can potentially up, uh, switch up to second row forward, he could be a decent trade in there. Apart from that, there wasn't really too many other standouts, I guess, from the Warriors side of things. Uh, Jazz Tavanga, actually someone I was really close to trading in this week, but uh, my gut, um, my gut and 
a bit of late mail which said that he potentially had an ankle problem so he was in some doubt and given that he was playing on the Sunday I really couldn't risk it so I didn't bring him in uh, and he was actually named to start at the bench at the last minute so luckily I didn't really bring him in I mean he still scored 50 which is decent but obviously if I had traded him in I would have wanted more like the 65 to 70 point mark from him obviously uh, Petahuka did have that injury so we'll have to kind of assess how um, serious that is moving forward on the Dragon side again, I don't really think there was one standout performer. Uh, Ravalawa obviously came in with a pretty good 68-point effort. Uh, that did include a try, though, so that really did bump up the score. Zach Lomax, pretty solid, you know, 58 points without scoring a try. Obviously, he has a little bit of the goal-kicking benefit, but that's a good sign when, you know, he hasn't really got that many attacking stats, uh, and he's able to still put out a pretty decent score at centre wing. So definitely looking like someone worthwhile to bring in. I think my main conundrum coming in will be I think I'm looking to shore up some of my center wings, so really I think it's dependent on Brian Kelly, Zach Lomax, or David Offal Luma for the, at the moment. Um, I did mention in my uh, trade targets video last week I'd probably choose Lomax, but just thinking about it a little bit more, I feel like Nofal Luma has shown a bit more promise, um, and his base is probably a little bit higher than Lomax, so I might go with Nofal Luma uh, moving forward, but we'll have to kind of wait and see as well on teamless and injuries and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, aside from that, not much else uh, in terms of Supercoach performers uh, on the Dragon side. It was a pretty decent game uh, from the highlights that I watched. A uh, bit of a scrappy game and the Warriors were able to take it out towards the end of the match. So the final game of the Sunday and of the round was the Cowboys taking on the Bulldogs. Cowboys taking this one out 30 points to 18. I don't know how many people might have watched this one. I think it would have been okay to maybe go to a garden center for this game. But yeah, in the end, actually watching the highlights, it looked like it was a pretty decent game. It was six all at halftime, but then obviously all the points came in the second half. Big talking point obviously will be the send-off for Jack Hetherington um, and I think there'll be a lot of questions over the referee decisions uh, over this round because we saw Hetherington get sent off, saw Victor Radley get a sin bin for not too dissimilar of an indiscretion um, and we saw the troll have no punishment in-game uh, for a couple of things that he did during the match but he's potentially now facing actually three to four weeks on the sidelines so that's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. Um, Tino Fasul Malawi and something for like a crusher tackle I think he's potentially facing two weeks on the sidelines so um, you know there's a lot of suspensions that have come out of this round and there'll be a lot of uh, talking points I think about the referees you know just amongst the NRL media I think moving forward uh, at least in this week there always is I guess though <laughs> but back to the Supercoach stuff Ben Condon was able to score a try for the Cowboys which was really good that 72 points you know I think I, that would have been handy to play in my 17 this week but obviously I wasn't going to really play him uh, pretty decent base I think it did improve slightly this game but obviously that 72 does include a try and a line break as well so I think it was around 45 in base but it's pretty good you know for a 186k player you're not really expecting I think more than that and he should make some decent value uh, after this week. Uh, Val Holmes with the 76 again he's been ticking along pretty decently but he has had a couple of games where the Cowboys have been able to actually put on some points but he himself hasn't been able to get that many. I think it was last week when he scored only about 50 points when the Cowboys actually were able to put on some uh, decent points on in the real life so he's been a little bit up and down and still I don't think really is worth the trade-in. Uh, you know I think not playing the round 13 by really does hurt him as well given that there's such a wealth of centers who do play round 13 who I think are a little bit more trustworthy uh, both in the teams that they play in um, and in then statistics in general but yeah aside from that not really much else I think to talk about with the Cowboys Tamalolo obviously he had fractured his other hand now so he's out for potentially I think one to three weeks so we weren't able to see how that might affect you know Ben Condon and his minutes so we'll have to kind of we'll have to keep an eye on that but that does mean potentially a better news for Condon. He might get a few more minutes moving forward. Uh, some better signs for Condon. Uh, so he should be making some decent value over the next few weeks for us. And for the Bulldogs, you know, look, they're still looking for their first win of the season. They, they do try their heart out, you know. Uh, you really have to give them credit. But they just don't really have the squad, I think, to kind of, you know, be able to compete um, for the full 80 minutes 
yeah, Jack Hetherington send-off, I think, will be the big talking point out of the Bulldogs, uh, unfortunately. But there's a few decent performers, I guess, like Luke Thompson with a 59, uh, a Tony with an 83. But really, I don't think you're going to be looking to invest in many of these players, given the fact that they don't also play in round 13 due to the buy. I think their investment in their side overall is really not going to be that high, and I really can't recommend too many players from that team. Right guys, well that is the end of the video. Hope you guys enjoyed the roundup number six. As I mentioned, I think it was a week of you know really big fullback scores and a lot of suspensions and you know a lot of indiscretions being thrown around this week. In terms of how my team performed, I'm sitting on 1,198 uh, pre-updates. A couple of the scores that I didn't mention previously in this video, I was recording on Saturday night, so there have been some games that have updated slightly, such as the Titans game, where in the video I was talking about uh, Fafita getting 65, he's actually updated up to 78. So there will be some of that during the video, but at the moment, 1198 for me, which I think is slightly above par, but guys, do let me know in the comments below as well what you guys scored. Um, and if you guys did like this, would really appreciate a thumbs up, and please, just, uh, please do consider subscribing to the channel. My goal now is to get to a thousand subscribers by State of Origin period, so would really, really appreciate it if you guys could help me get over the line for that one. But until then, see you guys in the next video.